That was mild. That was mild. <laughs> that was mild. Mild compared to what? <laughs> <laughs> It's June 7th at midnight, so strap yourselves in. We've made it a whole five episodes. This is Midnight Theology, the late night ponderings of four pastor friends. I'm your host for today, Larry Frank, and I'm joined by... Adam Penn. And we are not joined by Sarah and Gabe Wank this month because, well, they're busy. They're in the last stages of preparing for their move to a new church. They're getting things ready for baby Bristol. So today we've got some very special guests with us on the podcast, the women who know us best and still love us, even knowing us, my wife, Brittany, and the lovely Jessica Penn. Welcome, ladies. Hi there. Thanks for having us. They say behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes, so we're going to get some insight into that uh, today. Uh, So why don't you just very quickly tell our listeners, uh, all five of them, uh, about yourselves, what you're up to these days other than keeping us in line. So Jess, why don't you go first, then Brittany. All right, sounds good. Hey everyone, I'm Jessica Penn, and I am currently a stay-at-home mom to our two awesome kiddos. Our oldest is five going into kindergarten this next school year, and our youngest is three going into preschool. So, um, Adam and I have been married for 10 years this June, and I'm also going to school full-time online currently for my bachelor's degree in sign language. Back in 2010, I received my associates in interpreting and got to work right away to get this guy through seminary. Um, And then I took a short hiatus from interpreting to stay home with the boys. So I'm excited to be back in the saddle and to be uh, furthering my education. Uh, Some of the things I like to do include hiking. Um, I love to go boating. We love going boating as a family. I love running. I love biking. I'm a huge fitness junkie. So basically anything that gets me outside and moving. So. All right, Brittany. My story is very similar to Jess's. Um, I am currently a stay-at-home mom to our two girls, um, Marky, who is six, and she will be going into first grade, and Selah, who will be going into kindergarten. And it's Selah's birthday as the podcast airs, so not that she's listening, but happy birthday, Selah. Anyway, I have a degree in nursing. I received my bachelor's degree from Methodist College in Peoria. Um, I stepped away for a while to be a stay-at-home mom, um, but um, looking to probably go back this fall as both kiddos are in school. And um, some of the things that I like to do are I love plants, I love being outside, and I love experimenting with coffee. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been a great beneficiary of your coffee experimenting. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's been good. Cold brew is an awesome thing uh, in it our is house incredible. right now. Yeah. So uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, so the reason we really wanted to pull you guys in, other than the fact that you're you're pretty awesome, is that you're both pretty healthy people. Uh, so you get to be the experts on this, and you have to live with us. Uh, so uh, we've enjoyed listening to the two of you talk over time about physical, mental, nutritional health. Um, even when our eyes gloss over, we know it's good stuff, and we thought we should probably record one of these conversations. Uh, and I really do think it's an important conversation for us to have. Um, 
I recently ran across an article from the NHIS and the Census Bureau about the implications of COVID-19 on mental health and substance use, uh, and it was fascinating. And we've talked a lot uh, over the past 18 months plus uh, that we've um, been in this this COVID world about the toll that it that it has taken uh, on us in, in various forms and, and people that we know. Uh, so this is what the article said. From January to June of 2019, only about 11% of adults in the United States reported symptoms of depression or an anxiety disorder. From the onset of the pandemic lockdowns in March of 2020 and very consistently through to January of 2021, that number rose to just over 41%. So so that's a really huge number, right? It's a 30% swing. It's a huge increase. Uh, I wanted to see if that was true locally. I asked our family physician uh, this week, sent him a text and asked how much he estimated that his practice saw an increase in the treatment of depression and anxiety. And he said easily 30 to 40%. So so right in line with, um, with what's being said there. Uh, And and I think we've seen that all over. I know it's been true in my ministry, the number of people that I'm praying with and talking with about anxiety and depression and the grief that goes along with the pandemic uh, has just gone up. It's just taken a huge, um, huge role in our, on our mental health. Uh, Is that, are you seeing that in your ministry too, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. And being that you and I both serve rural areas, I I think it's especially pronounced in rural areas where isolation is a huge issue. Um, You know, just the geography of rural areas and how people do live uh, further apart from one another uh, can really lend to that isolation where if they're not having those third spaces, those, you know, especially like church and restaurants and things like that to gather, um, that really took a toll on people this, this past year. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I've been seeing that in my ministry as well. Yeah. Right, and then it kind of creates an echo chamber, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're isolated anyway. And you know, maybe you've got the internet as your outlet. So take, um, all of the, everything that's happened with COVID-19, uh, and information overload, misinformation overload. Then we went through an election. Then we went through the fallout from the election. Uh, and there's just this giant, um, vacuum in people's lives right now that, um, has really increased everyone's anxiety and their cortisol levels are through the roof. Um, So there's another uh, study out there from the American Psychological Association, and it said, this is is really interesting, that 61% of the people that they surveyed had experienced undesired weight change since the start of the pandemic. Yeah, I'm part of the 61%, um, (laughs) for sure. Me too. Uh, Yeah, 42% of that was undesired weight gain, and 18% was undesired weight loss. Uh, So maybe that's tied to stress as well. Uh, Of those who reported undesired weight gain, the average gain was 29 pounds. 50% of those said that they had gained more than 15 pounds, and 10% gained more than 50 pounds. Uh, and, and this is the one that I don't, I don't have a lot of room to talk about because uh, I definitely gained the COVID-20. Uh, so that's why Jess and Brittany are really here. Brittany's got this nutrition thing on lock. Uh, and at one point this winter, Jess was running in place. <laughs> in place indoors because it was too cold like that's hardcore i mean that's that's what we said right yeah that's hardcore that's hardcore uh so so let's just have a discussion about this what's going on with us mentally emotionally physically what is it about the last 18 months that's been so ravaging on us and is anyone hopping 
Right. Uh, so first off, I just want to say that everyone should be giving themselves some grace, some serious grace after mm-hmm. this past year, right? It's been incredibly tough on all of us in many different ways. And it's important to acknowledge that, I think, you know. It's important to process that first and foremost, mentally, physically, and emotionally, many of us will have lasting trauma from this past year. And, and that's okay, you know. So with that being said, as we slowly but surely come out of the COVID survival mode, we can start implementing the new goals for us, like um, especially our health goals. Yeah, I, I, I think what you said is really important in acknowledging what's going on with us. I don't think that as the church, we're very good at lament and grief. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We've kind of created this culture where everything's got to be hunky-dory. You know, I've got the joy, joy down in my heart, uh, and that's the way it's got to be. <laughs> um, and I was thinking, even like, because we're all, you know, really close to being the same age. Like, do you remember school preparing us well at all for adult anxiety? Like, mm. I, I, I don't remember. Like, Brittany and I were talking about this. Like, Marky just finished kindergarten, and they taught her, like, all of these stress-reducing techniques. Wow. Um, really? Yeah. Like, she, yeah. she's she got, what, five or six different things that... Yeah, she's got, like, a list of seven different things. And then they even gave them, like, instructions to make, like, a calm-down jar, which is just, like a bottle full of glitter and like they shake it up, you know, when they're feeling all crazy and then watch it calm down and it calms them down too. So I'm like, (laughs) what was my kindergarten teacher doing that, that we weren't taught this stuff. Nobody taught me to run a roller coaster on my fingers or pretzel arms or or blow the candle out. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody taught us this stuff. So I I think that's part of it, especially Mm. for, for our generation. Nobody prepared us for this. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a Catholic school, so I grew up with nuns hitting me over the knuckles with rulers. <laughs> not, not really. They didn't do that. Not when I was so a kid. We're, whereas I'm advocating for teaching kids stress reduction techniques, the nuns were inducing, inducing stress on you. I do remember that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. So, I mean, I, I learned that's that in something. school. As long as we've got that down. Yeah. 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 I can remember the schoolhouse rock stuff. That's about it. Um, I'm just a bill. Ooh, I'm only a bill. You have to edit that out. That's probably copyright infringement. <laughs> or you can sing that. I want to go. Making it harder on yourself. Yeah, and I, like, like I, I don't feel like we were prepared at all for this. Like, and, and what generation really was at this? I mean, it's been so long since anything like this has happened. And then you add the internet into it, whatever. I just feel like we were just not prepared for this. Mm -hmm. Like the four of us plus Gabe and Sarah, as the lockdowns happened, we were on our way back from Georgia. And I remember just the way our conversation shifted about the pandemic just while we were there. Like we're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're out for dinner one night and we're like, oh, it's no worse than the flu. You know, it, mm-hmm. it'll be over in a couple of weeks. It's not going to be a thing. I'm making plans with my church leaders saying, yeah, I don't think we're going to have to use any of these plans, but just in case. And then they closed schools down while we were driving home. And then mm-hmm. we found out there was a national toilet paper shortage. And every exit <laughs> while we, we were driving at, home, while yeah. we were on vacation, <laughs> every exit we stopped at, Brittany and I were checking for toilet paper because it dawned on her that we had like, what, three rolls at home? Yeah, because, you know, you just think, oh, well, we're going on vacation. I'll just get some when we get back. And then you can't. Yeah. So we'd just gotten back from the Holy Land and we were kind of starting to hear about coronavirus. Um, But then before we even had a chance to adjust to it, it was just like, boom, it was here. So I think part of the, the generalized anxiety about all of it was just that it was whiplash. 
you know, and then you add in that everything became a political football and the election and the mm-hmm. fallout from the election and, and, and all that. And it just kind of spiraled on us um, really quickly. And it exposed how ill prepared we were to handle mm-hmm. any kind of stress like this on a, I mean, we're stressed out as an, enough as it is. And then you throw something this global in nature in there and it exposed that we were not prepared for this as individuals. Many families were not prepared for this mentally, physically, emotionally. The church was not prepared for this. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we're, we're talking about today is what do we do about it? Um, when we talk about mental, physical, emotional health and kind of what, a, what's a Wesleyan holistic perspective on that, like a good theology of the body, um, uh, so let's let's talk about Papa Wesley, um, uh, John Wesley. A few years ago, Brittany and I both worked at a Methodist healthcare facility, and one of the orientation videos that we had to show to all the new hires um, highlighted our Methodist heritage. And one of the things they talked about was Wesley's writing, the Primitive Physic. Uh, and the first version of this came out in 1747, and it was actually Wesley's top-selling work ever. Uh, the subtitle is an easy and natural method of curing most diseases. Uh, and, and guys, we've each taken a look at this in preparation for this episode. And I think we'd all agree that he was way ahead of his time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for writing in the 1740s. Uh, he talks about things as simple as getting out and breathing the fresh air, which how many times have you know, we begun to hear that during the pandemic, that vitamin D levels were really important and just get outside, soak in the sun. Talks about nutrition, exercise, uh, you name it. Um, and uh, as Brittany got more and more into her, uh, her learning about nutrition, uh, it was really the first time I heard her get excited about anything with John Wesley because I'm the metho nerd in, in our house and she <laughs> her eyes kind of gloss over when I start talking about Wesley. But all of a sudden she was really excited about this um, this thing with the primitive physic, right? Well, yeah, because I think that like helped me have like a connection point to you. You know, because like, I'm like, well, here, Wesley said it, you know, like, (laughs) so now you have to believe it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How many times I've argued with you about, about nutrition stuff? Like, oh no, that's, that's not right. You can't do that. I need to eat a bratwurst. And you're like, oh, but John Wesley said so. And I'm like, so now I'm having this like existential crisis. Like Papa Wesley said it. Um, so, um, so let's let's kind of talk about what we've been learning about health in conjunction uh, with with Wesley. Uh, so let's start with the stress part. So he talks about um, about being out in the open air, getting enough sleep, um, things like that. What are some things that that we've all been learning as a group about about stress reduction? Things that we can immediately do to start bringing our stress levels down. Um, even if you just need to go make a glitter jar, right? Like, right. like what are we mm-hmm. learning? Right. I know one thing for me that has really made a difference is just to take literally just like five or 10 minutes a day and just jot down thoughts Mm. or, you know, feelings or, you know, what's going on, like just getting that aerial view and being able to see, you know, what the problems are on paper just makes it seem so much more manageable. You get that, that big picture view and it kind of puts the, um, what's the worst that could happen thing in perspective. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm somebody, I get paralyzed in decision-making 
Um, and I finally had someone say to me several years ago, they're like, if you make this decision, what's the worst that's going to happen if you get it wrong? Will someone die? And I said, no. And they said, then it's not that bad. And that has been so permission giving and freeing for me and looking at the big picture. Like at some point you got to make a decision, get over the stress. Is someone going to die if I get this wrong? Nope. Okay. Let's try it. And then we can course correct later. So that's good. What else? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we um, kind of reduce those stress triggers, too. Like, if you're like me, your life may be filled with <laughs> too many demands to try to fit in in a 24-hour day, right? And for the most part, these demands, at least some of them on my part, are ones that we have chosen. And you can free up time by practicing time management skills, right? Which is something that I sometimes struggle with like asking oh, for help too, girl. <laughs> I know especially the asking for help portion you know mm-hmm. I just rather do it myself and get it done well because we can do it better right <laughs> exactly right and in a timely fashion right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also set priorities too or pace yourself which is something I also struggle with and reserving time this is so important reserving time to take care of yourself in your day Yeah, one of the things that, you know, we kind of worked into our daily schedule, you know, is Jessica said, hey, I just need some time in a day. And so we set aside a set time every day where she goes for her run. Mm -hmm. And that's her time. And I schedule my day around that. And so we kind of work together uh, to give each other that space um, that each of us need to Mm -hmm. kind of recreate. And I think that's that's probably you know, my thing that I found was whatever helps you recreate, you know, for her, it's running for me, running is torture. It is not recreative. (laughs) Um, uh, but you know, for me it was music, you know? And so having that time and space, uh, a lot of times after the kids would go to bed, you know, um, I would make music most of the time for church, uh, the online worship services, but, uh, it was still, you know, something that I enjoyed doing, um, during the pandemic. And so just finding those recreative outlets, uh, that, that help you, you know, kind of recharge your soul, um, and engage your mind and, uh, preferably your body, um, in some way. (laughs) I know music doesn't quite do that as much as running does, but, um, you know, that was definitely some of the things that helped us, Mm -hmm. uh, last year. So I think that's been true for us too. Like, uh, Brittany will text me and say, you know, what's your afternoon look like? I'd like to go for a walk if I can, this would be the best time to go, you know, like, so there's that give and take with that. And, like when I come home, like I, I, I can't jump right in to, to the flow of what's happening in the house. Like Brittany's been going with it all day. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've been going at something else all day, so I can't jump right into that flow. So we've created that space for me to just veg out for a little bit, you know, and then, um, and then we can, you know, get into the, the evening routine and, um, and just, just, just figuring out how that all works together. And I think understanding, um, those things about each other too. I mean, that's a marriage thing. Like you help each other manage your stress by giving each other grace in, um, in different situations. Um, I, I'll be, I'll be open about my family was here, um, last weekend and, and they make me crazy and I don't think they listen to the podcast. So that's okay. Even if they do, they know they make me crazy. Um, and w- we both got a little bitey at each other. Um, uh, Brittany and I did. Um, but like uh, she came back around and said, I forgot how, how stressed out they make you. 
like I should have given you more grace on it. So that that instantly like like deflated me because I didn't feel like I had to be all you know on guard from from them and on guard from her. Like she was she recognized that stressor in me and and named it mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and allow, allowed me to distance myself one way from that. So that was um, that was really helpful. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important in a marriage to recognize those triggers in one another. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a formative part of marriage too, right? You know, it's like that process of giving one another grace and, and modeling the grace of Christ in your marriage. It's you know, kind of the sanctifying effect. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> best case yeah. scenario, we don't always get it right, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, when you talk about stress, like no single person is probably going to cause you mu- as much anxiety as your spouse. So, I mean, so you you have to learn to manage that, and especially when you have an entire year long cage match. <laughs> Where you're yeah. locked up, <laughs> literally can't go anywhere in the same house. Yep. <laughs> for we were an like entire three weeks year. into the pandemic, you were like, "Please go back to work." Oh gosh, it was it was terrible. <laughs> like I was like every delivery that got made, I'm like, "Well, why'd you buy that? What, where'd that come from?" And you know, uh, and she, you know, she was trying to dance around my work routine with oh, me yeah. being in the house, and it was just. Um, you know, and did a great job of, you know, trying to keep the kids away when I was working on, on work stuff, whatnot. But yeah, it was, that was something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we had, to, even in those situations, we had to create our own ways of, of managing the stress and, uh, pens and wanks were a big part of that with, uh, with zoom meetings and card games online. Uh, we figured <laughs> out that we could play card games online. Oh and, yeah. Marco Polo. Just, yeah. Marco, you know, um, and sending each other goofy gifts and things like yeah. that. So, um, yeah, that's. I think for me, that's really important is to to have other people um, that can understand the same kind of stresses that you're going through. Um, and there's that. There's already that shared language. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're trying to explain to somebody who who's who doesn't understand the things you're going through, the lifestyle. You're trying to explain everything to them. It's like it's almost more stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, but when uh, that's one of the beautiful things about the friendship that the that, that these these three couples share is we we very much understand what each other are going through with mm-hmm. with 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 raising kids and uh, and and ministry and loss and you know like there's this this shared language and history there that's really um, really good yeah definitely uh, anything else on stress anybody got a parting shot grace and space. Grace and space. Grace and space. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now let's talk about the weight gain and the nutrition part. And this is, this is Brittany's area of expertise. Um, and she drove me nuts on this for a while. Uh, and I admitted to her tonight before we recorded this, that I, I slowly came around to her way of thinking. Like, <laughs> I find myself parroting some of her phrases, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but like in talking to other people about nutrition, now that we're, we're on this, I'm like quoting Brittany all the time, which is really hard for the male ego to admit, right? Like, <laughs> like okay, you got it right. I'm not worthy. I'm scum. Um, uh, so let's 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 briefly visit what Papa Wesley said in in the primitive physic, uh, and then um, Brittany can can hop in, and then and then anybody about um, points of agreement and 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 where he was at for 1747. So here's a few of the things that he said as far as nutrition. He said the great rule of the great rule of eating and drinking is to suit the quality and quantity of the food to the strength of our digestion to always 
to take always such a sort and such a measure of food as it fits light and easy on the stomach. All right, fair enough. Now he's going to start meddling. <laughs> all, pickled or, all pickled or smoked or salted food and all high seasoned is unwholesome. Boo. Boo, John Wesley. I know he's going to meddle. (laughs) Nothing conduces more to health than abstinence and plain food with due labor. (sighs) For studious persons, about eight ounces of animal food and 12 of vegetable in 24 hours is sufficient. Water is the wholesomest of all drinks. It quickens the appetite and strengthens the digestion most. Strong and more especially spiritist liquors are a certain, though slow, poison. Experience shows there is no manner of danger in leaving them off all at once. Strong liquors do not prevent the mischiefs of a surfeit, nor carry it off so safely as water. What is a surfeit? I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know either. You I'm going to Google, Google it? it. Okay. You Google it while I okay. move on. Malt liquors... Except clear small beer of a due age are exceeding are exceeding hurtful to tender persons. Coffee and tea are extremely hurtful to persons who have weak nerves. <gasps> All right, what's a surfeit? It is an excessive amount of something. So, okay, excessive amounts so of liquor. Strong liquors do not prevent the mischiefs of a lush, <laughs> nor carried off so safely <laughs> as water. Correct. Okay, so 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 Brittany, take all that. You you heard the um you heard the boo birds coming out a couple of times. But how on was he for bi- this being written in the 1700s? And what would you suggest now as far as moving towards better nutrition and gut health? Now, don't give us the extreme version, right? Like like help us w- toe into that water. We need to weigh in. So how right was Wesley for the being the 1700s? And what would you suggest now? I think Wesley was right on. I mean, there, there's really not too much there that I disagree with at all. I mean, he was just so far ahead of his time. It's, it's crazy. Um, but a few things that I would suggest on like a surface level is just, um, just choosing more whole foods and choosing water over sugary, sugary drinks. Um, the more nutrients you take in, the better you're going to feel. Um, so it's kind of a catch-22 there. But I have really learned a lot of my um, nutrition stuff from Dr. Furman. I read his book, Eat to Live, a couple years ago, and it completely changed my life. Um, so I would, I would definitely recommend that you run and grab that book. He almost ruined our marriage though, at first. Like. <laughs> but I got. But you're even on it now. I am now. Yeah, like two meals a day. Like yeah, yeah, that's significant. I mean, so say something about that. Like, like two out of three ain't bad, right? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's better so, than you used to would have done, right? Better than I used to would have done. So, <laughs> so give give yourself some grace in it, in, in whatever she's saying. Give yourself some grace and and start to toe into those waters. Because when you start saying you know the stuff like like we read uh, up up top there, no pickled or smoked or salted food and all high season, that Taco scares Bell. some people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's pretty much like all food in America. Like. Yeah, that's the standard American diet. You <laughs> Pretty know? much. But the, sta- the standard American Salt diet is killing us. Yes. Yes. We we have the highest cancer rate anywhere in the developed world. We're the most obese people in the in the developed world. Like, the, the standard American diet's killing us. Right. Diabetes, so high blood pressure. Yep. You name it. Yeah. So, 
honestly, I think the best thing you can do is just make one small change at a time, you know, mm-hmm. switch out, you know, a sugary drink for water, then conquer that and, you know, move on to something else. Um, I mentioned this earlier with like mental health stuff, but journaling has really helped me with nutrition as well. Um, I use like a, a format called PAL. It's P-A-A-L. Um, plan, allow, assess, and love. So plan out your food for the day. Just having a plan, you know, will go so far. Um, allow, allow urges. If you will just, you know, allow an urge to pass by, it'll pass by in like 15 seconds. You know, just try it sometime. It's amazing. And then um, assess, just assess where you're at and where you want to go and love. Um, Just think about how you want to love your body today. And usually Mm -hmm. for me, that's by moving it and, you know, feeding it healthy whole foods. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. So she really started pushing this on. On me, and I, I don't mean push it in a strong way. Although it felt yes, like it do. felt like it at the time, <laughs> uh, but I, I get I get GERD pretty bad, like acid reflux stuff, and, and and it's it's pretty severe feeling. I don't know many people that get it the way I do. Uh, my my feeling of acid reflux is in the left side of my chest and down my arm. It must push on a certain nerve. So literally every time I was getting these acid symptoms, I felt like I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I'm a bigger guy. That's a, that's a concern. Like, so the first time it really happened, I took myself to the emergency room and like everything came out fine. The stress test, everything like got the heart of a, you know, of a, of an ox or something. They said, I don't know. Um, <laughs> must be a fat ox. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so that was one of the things Brittany started pushing was, 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 was whole foods. And, and doing the gut health that way instead of just pouring Pepto-Bismol down every, mm-hmm. uh, every five minutes. And when I'm on that, like when I'm on, uh, she said two out of three. So I, I, eat, a, I eat a Whole Foods breakfast. Um, I eat a very vegan lunch. Yeah, it's literally like plain veggies, plain fruits. And like a pound of raw veggies for lunch. Yeah. But what I'm finding is I can, then I can cheat at dinner time and I'm mm-hmm. not having the same symptoms. Sure. He like literally doesn't even have to take his meds most days anymore. Like that's when awesome. he's eating right, he, he's fine. And that's saying something. Mm-hmm. It's saying something. And, and we've, and we've all had this conversation as we've done this kind of stuff. We find out that we actually like these foods. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they're delicious. It's, 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 you know, it, my doctor says you, you gotta, you gotta do the Adam and Eve diet. You gotta eat your vegetables. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, that's, and right. that's, you know, these are, these are natural things that, that, that God gave to us. And I, you know, yes. I'm Dr. Furman doesn't want people to eat hardly any meat at all. And I, I, I fight him on that one uh, all the time. But even Wesley said, like, uh, if you look at the balance there, it's, it's eight ounces of, of, of animal food and 12 of vegetable in, mm-hmm. in 24 hours. Like, I mean, so there, there has to be a, a decent balance to it. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I've had to admit is that the way that we consume meat in America is way off balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just, yeah. the portion sizes are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I finally saw that uh, when we went to Israel, that like the, the vegetables and the, the hummus, you know, the hummus being, you know, your fresh main, fruits. your main protein source, fresh mm-hmm. fruits, 
those are the those are the main events mm-hmm. at all the meals. Meat is almost like the side dish. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 very small small amounts of it meets the treat mm-hmm. uh, in it and not and not the main event. So I, I think that's that's been part of it for me is just changing the way that I think about um, eating and what I'm going to do with it. And then weekends, all bets are off. <laughs> do whatever I yeah. want. So. <laughs> Got to. Yeah. Taco Bell's never a part of it, but uh, our of listeners. Of course know that. not. Taco Bell is yeah. always a part of it. No, it could just burn down for all I care. Oh, uh, that's so sad. <laughs> okay, so let's talk exercise. Uh, uh, and Adam and I uh, will just keep our mouths shut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll let Jess and Brittany talk <laughs> us through. Uh, first, let me share what Wesley said again. Said a due degree of exercise is indispensably necessary to health and long life. Walking is the best exercise for those who are able to bear it, riding for those who are not. The open air, when the weather is fair, contributes much to the benefit of exercise. Love that one. Mm -hmm. We may strengthen any weak part of the body by constant exercise. Thus, the lungs may be strengthened by loud speaking or walking up an easy ascent the digestion and the nerves by riding, the arms or hands by strong rubbing them daily. The studious ought to have stated times for exercise at last two or three hours a day, the one half of this before dinner, the other before going to bed. Hmm. Those who read or write much should learn to do it standing. Otherwise, it will impair their health. Absolutely. Uh, Exercise first should always be on an empty stomach. Secondly, should never be continued to weariness. So, Jess, you kick us uh, off on this one. Miss, I run in place during the winter. <laughs> uh, respond to that. Uh, how on is Wesley here? And give us some advice for improving our exercise routines, especially for those of us who don't have a routine. Adam's you know, already, like, tuning out. <laughs> I know. No, I was just looking something up. I'm not, I'm not tuning out, I promise. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, I think, I think Wesley's pretty spot on here, too. Um I don't know. I don't know what I would say on exercising on an empty stomach. Maybe get a little bit of something in there. But everything else, like I said, he is spot on. So ahead of his time. Um, And just a few tips that I use um, and I have used, especially getting into running um, this past COVID year, is first of all, set a time. Like, are you a morning person or an evening person when it comes to working out, right? Or maybe it's during your lunch break at work. What works best in your life schedule and stick with that. If you don't set a time, you're more likely to put it off, right? Or not have enough energy. So it's important to make that set time. Mine personally, like Adam said previously, um, since the start of 2020 has been the afternoons. Adam will normally come home for lunch and I'll put the boys down for a nap. Now, they won't always sleep, but they'll at least stay in their room and then I'll head out for my run while he stays home with them. So that's kind of been my time. So set that time for yourself. Um, Also, make it fit in with your hobbies or your interests, right? If you associate a workout habit with something you enjoy, it'll be easier to maintain in the long run. Um, Whether you, I mean, you enjoy biking or running or just walking. I mean, some people, I mean, even enjoying going out on the canoe, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever you enjoy, um, fit that in with your workout. And also find an accountability person, whether it be a good friend or a family member that you can share your health goals with that will keep you accountable for following through with them or maybe even join you in a workout or two. I know in um, 
in our United Methodist Circle, we have that Virgin Pulse app that we use frequently, and we get um, we get everybody on there with their step counts daily. And personally, I'm such a competitive person that like we can see all of those step counts, right? And I've got to be close to the top like daily. And so that in itself is an accountability for me, at least. <laughs> I just try to stay above the lazy people line, <laughs> which is they, what? 49,000 steps that? a week. Yeah, that's like 7,000 yeah, steps seven, a day. 7,000 steps a day. That's that's the lazy people hey, line. And I just still, try to stay above that's it. Still so goal, that's still a goal, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. That's still good, right? I don't always make it. <laughs> but find that accountability in, in a friend and a family member and stick with it. And lastly, just, just head out that door. Get your butt out that door. My rule um, is just to get my running shoes on, right, and get my butt out the door. I try not to worry about how long I have before the boys wake up or if they're already awake, whether or not they're going to be giving Adam a hard time, right, or how hard the workout will be. I just get out and get started. So there's some tips just to get it going, get your workout going. That's good. I, one thing I've been finding just as somebody who has to sit in an office all the time, um, like Wesley said there, um, if you read or write much, you should do it standing. Mm-hmm. Standing desk, total game changer. Total game changer. And it's an adjustable one, so I can move from one side to the other really easily. Uh, and then we have a gym at our church, um, a gymnasium. And I've been trying to, after lunch, I, I, I let my texts and emails that I get that are work-related pile up uh, in the morning, and I can answer them on my on my iPhone while I'm walking laps. Um, mm. oh, that's and that's a good been, idea. It's been good um, to do that. I love what you said about being being competitive uh, with it. <laughs> if, if that's you, like work it. Like, yeah. Um, my brother-in-law was here last weekend, uh, and he has a water bottle that. Um, it, it hooks up via Wi-Fi to his phone and it lights up every time he takes a drink. It lights up a different color when he needs to take a, take a drink, mm-hmm. but it syncs to his phone and he can compete against other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, just drink the water, just, <laughs> just drink the water. But I mean, if that's what it's going to take for you to drink the water, like he's got guys in his small group, his associate pastors on there, um, whatever. And they compete against each other to see yeah. who, who can drink the most water in a week. I yeah. mean, whatever works for you. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes it can be competing against yourself, right? Like a time yeah. or, or something that you've done, just take it a step further. You know, yeah. you can also compete against yourself too. I think it depends on what motivates you, you know, because like if you're not a competitive person, so like I'm not a competitive person and I'm, I am extrinsically motivated when it comes to exercise. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I have to have a really compelling reason to exercise. Usually like something needs to be done that will require manual physical labor uh, or, you know, what initially got me to the gym. I, I was before the pandemic and before gyms became not a thing um, for a time. I was pretty faithfully hitting the gym, um, but it was because I wanted to be uh, a better husband, father and pastor and knew that, you know, working out was going to allow me to do that, that, that it was going to give me the energy that I needed to be the, the husband, father, and pastor that I needed to be. So I needed that extrinsic reason right. to kind of motivate myself to, you know, get get active. Um, one more comment I was going to make uh, pertaining to Wesley. Um, one thing I noticed as I was reading over his recommendations for exercise is that none of them are like crazy, right? you know, like crazy active, like you have to be some sort of fitness nut. Um, it's, it's pretty low key stuff. Just 
getting moving and, and uh, you know, just staying active at a kind of a baseline level. Um, and it actually called to mind this podcast I heard a few years back about this. Um, it's this little town, this little rural region of southern Italy that has the highest life expectancy in the entire world. It's known for like its concentration of the oldest people in the world. And it's kind of known as like the birthplace of the Mediterranean diet. And, you know, so they interviewed some of these people as to like what their secret was and how they're, you know, living so long. And it's basically just, you know, they have a lot of fruits and vegetables, whole foods in their diet. And then they're not doing like crazy exercise or anything. They just, they get out, they garden, they work with their hands. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're just moving, um, you know, and I, you know, I think about some of the, the healthy older people I've known in my life and they just keep moving mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're not fitness duds. They just enjoy working, uh, you know, and getting out and doing things that involve physical activity. Um, even if it's low key and, you know, so, uh, you know, the secret to a long, happy, healthy life, uh, you know, isn't, isn't all that earth shattering. So, yeah. 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 Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Adam, you had a really great list of, uh, extrinsic motivators there. That was, um, that was really good. I just, I just want to be sexy. So that's (laughs) (laughs) That's it. All right. Uh, anything else anybody wants to say about um, just kind of this? It's a very base level Wesleyan perspective on uh, on on health. Anybody want to take one, any more stabs at it, or to move on? So, just to add a little bit of biblical perspective um, in terms of the why, you know, like why is this an important thing for you know an important conversation for Christians to be having, and why does a theology of health and the theology of the body matter? Um, you know, and I think Wesley understood this too. He talked a lot about redeeming the time, you know, and making the most of the time that God gives you and in, in being a good steward of the resources God entrusts you. And one of the resources God entrusts to us is our, is our health. Um, and so we cannot be effective in service to God uh, if we are in poor health, you know, if we're not taking care of our bodies. It calls to mind, First uh, Corinthians uh, ten thirty one uh, says, "So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for uh, the glory of God." And of course, you know that's in the context of uh, you know talking about eating things that would cause other people to stumble. But you know, I also apply it to just in general: is what I'm eating, how I'm living my life, is it glorifying to God? You know, and it, it is this contributing to a life? that glorifies God. Um, and I think, I think that was at the forefront of Wesley's mind as well. And, and it was in every single area of his life, his, his use of his, his time, his money, his money, his energy, his health, um, you know, everything about his life. Wesley was very uh, meticulous about how he used those things and how he stewarded them. So, yeah, I mean, and we're talking about somebody who lived um, nearly to his nineties Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in a time that life expectancy was not there, even remotely. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and in his journals, he always he always wrote a like um, on his birthday. He would kind of just take stock of where he was at health wise. It was incredible up up through his his early to mid eighties. He was like, my voice is just as strong as it's always been. I've I've noticed just a little bit of loss in my eyesight, you know. Um, and it wasn't really up until. Uh, 
close to the end that, that he started to, to say, okay, I've, I've lost a lot of my strength. I can't, I can't preach as, uh, as, as well as I once did. Um, but a man up until, I mean, I mean, he was writing letters to the Bishop of London, arguing with this guy like a week before he died. Like uh, he, he was with it and uh, it worked, it worked for him. And it was, it was all a part of that holistic theology of, 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 of service to the kingdom and, and what the, and, he, he really wed those things together well that the Methodist movement um, was about redeeming the whole person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, and it says a lot that the primitive physic was his top selling work of all time, you know, uh, and it was based on a, on a, on a previous work that just went so well that he revised it, added a bunch of stuff to it. And, uh, and if you really dive into the primitive physic, which I suggest, you know, um, try to do that sometime, um, you can see that he was taking a stab at all sorts of stuff, you know, uh, weak stomach, what to do if you have a cold, this, that, or the other. And some of those things, you know, uh, we farther along in modern medicine. Now we know like, you know, soaking this particular root and chewing on, it's not going to do much for you, but I mean, he was making an attempt and was way ahead of his time mm-hmm. in what he was doing. So Definitely. Uh, kudos to Papa Wesley. We, uh, we salute your memory. I was going to mention, uh, the primitive physic garden, behind uh, John Wesley's childhood home in England. It was pretty cool. They they planted all of the fruits and vegetables that John Wesley mentions in his primitive physic in this garden. And Gabe actually ate an apple out of the primitive physic was garden. Was he supposed to? No, oh, okay. of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you'll have to ask him about that. <laughs> all right, so uh, for our fun segment today, um, switching gears rather rapidly, uh, we're going to play a version of the newlywed game. Since how often we're going to have our spouses on? Um, except Gabe and Sarah are always on, so the one time they're not here, we're going to we're going to do this. Uh, so so everybody needs a needs a piece of paper and something to write with, uh, and don't let the other person see what you're uh, what you're writing. Oh man! Oh man! Okay. Here we oh, go. Yeah. Okay, so even if the question is about you, you still need to answer it to to, to see if the, if uh, if your spouse answered it um, the right way. So okay. here's the first question: If the husbands could have unlimited access to any store, which store would it be? So I'll write down their answer. <laughs> All right, we got their answer. Yep. All right. So yeah. Adam and I need to show ours first, then, since no, the girls need to show theirs yeah, first. So what did you come up with, Jess? Um, I put Guitar Center. Oh, you were so guitar close. Center. So and Adam, close. You said, I said Sweetwater, oh, which is another dang. music supply store. Dang. That has a lot better selection than Guitar Center, but I, I, you were really close. I was close. That was a good. Yeah, we were same wavelength. Right. Nice. So okay, nicely. Pins. Cool. I, I award. I award you zero points. Nah. <laughs> So, okay, half. Brittany, what did you have? MLB store. The Ooh. Apple store. Mm. Ooh. All right, so I award Ooh. us zero points. <laughs> wow, we're really bad at this already. Okay, uh, so guess, this, one's about, this one's about the wives. What is the wives' favorite comfort food? Oh, I got this one for sure. That's too easy. Mine's easy. Well, we might not get any points otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I put down... Pizza. Ooh, what yeah. is it? Pizza. Pizza. One point Pizza. for Frank's. Yeah. Nice. Okay, Adam. Sushi. 
Sushi. Sushi. Jeff. Sushi. One point for Boom. <laughs> okay. Okay, for the husbands, what would your wife say is the nicest thing you did in the past week? You trying to get us in trouble, Larry? <laughs> well, it, it depends on if okay. they have something nice to say or not. <laughs> okay. So do, do we go uh, first? So w- yeah, I guess we would go <laughs> for it. What, really what, 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 what would Jess say is the nicest thing you did in the past week, Adam? I'm very afraid. Okay, uh, I said the dishes. Oh, okay. unload dishwasher. That's Boom. close enough. Woo. Okay. I said uh, we had a big barbecue uh, last weekend, and I cleaned up everything from, from the barbecue without her asking. Mm. And you said? I said did the dishes. Boom. So. Okay. That, that counts. <laughs> that counts. Okay. All right. Uh, so this one's kind of for all of us. Who made the first move while dating? Oh, it's easy. <laughs> Jess, what you got? Me. Her. Um, 100%. Brittany. Larry. Me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're, t- we're, we're tied at three. Okay, uh, for the wives, what grooming product could your husband not live without? <laughs> you would think that we would ask this of the wives, but no. No, no, definitely not. You'll get this one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my All right, God. Jess, what do you got? I got hair gel. Yep. <laughs> okay. Brittany, what do you got? Like beard hair cream. Yeah, my con man beard butter. Yeah. Nice. Man. Right. Beard butter. I, you know, I haven't used beard butter since masks have been a thing. Because I feel like it get my, inside my mask all greasy. Yeah, but then your beard smells and... I know, it's great. We gotta move but on. But I just, I haven't used it since... It's not good. Yeah, anyway, okay. Okay. Uh, what is your wife most afraid of? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh. Oh, no. Oh. Um. Ooh. <sighs> okay, I said spiders. Mm. And Brittany said, "I said the dark." Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> I was, I one. was, I was between two. So, Adam, what'd you say? I think I'm gonna get this wrong. Um, fireworks. Fireworks. I know you didn't. I haven't like, been scared I know, of I know fireworks you since scared. I was like five. I no, I know. You sound I like said clowns. Noises. Oh, clowns. okay. Right. What was your yeah, other but one? Jess, you were I pretty scared of. Oh, you were pretty oh. scared of fireworks a couple years ago when we were at Bush Stadium. Remember that? <laughs> For good reason. They were like actually burning people. <laughs> yeah, you guys, coals <laughs> raining down on our heads. We, we, yeah. We, we went to a game to, at like, Bush Stadium and, <laughs> and leave it to the stinking St. Louis Cardinals to say they're going to have a post-game fireworks show and not be able to do this properly. <laughs> they, they shot the fireworks into the lighting banks. Yes. So they were hitting the lights, coming back down onto the fans, and then exploding. Yep. Jess was like, we got to go. <laughs> it, was, it, it was pretty bad. I was like, bad. I'm done. Okay, so this is the one that could get us in trouble. Uh, Who is your husband's celebrity crush? Oh, there are two. Current celebrity crush. Oh, there are two. Which one? Which one? Better pick right. Oh, shoot. The current. All right. (laughs) The current. There's okay. just so many, I guess. All right, Jess, what do you got? <laughs> All right, I got Natalie Portman. Yep. Oh, good. Oh. Okay. He's got two. He likes Jennifer. Um, Jennifer Gardner, too. Yep. And Brittany said? 
I said Beyonce. That was like so 2005. It's Gal Gadot. Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. All the way. Okay. You've literally never said that. Probably with good reason. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Who is more stubborn in your relationship? Jess, what you got? Me. Adam? Yup. <laughs> Brittany says? I said Larry. I said me. <laughs> know thyself. Know thyself. <laughs> Self-aware. Okay. All right. So this, this is the one. This is the where the Franks oh, catch up. Because right now, right now, it is six to five oh, pens. Oh, oh, I, I remember. No. What, yeah. what were the wives wearing on the first date? Oh, I remember oh. this. I remember this. You, oh man. I remember yours too. I don't remember either. Okay. What do you got, Adam? I'm just going to go ahead and say I have no idea. Oh. I'm I'm forfeiting that point. That's awful. I I was wearing an orange and black flowery top. Do you remember it? With a lot of perfume. I remember the perfume. Yeah. I yeah. remember the perfume. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Brittany was wearing a screen printed uh, white uh, tee and jean shorts. Is no. That, no? That's, that's, <gasps> oh, what were you wearing? I was wearing this palm tree tank. It was like peach and it had like, it was fitted and had palm trees. I think on you're it. wrong. I have the photographic memory. No, I remember. You're thinking a different date. I got the jean shorts, right? Do I get half a point? Sure. <laughs> half one. She's wrong, by the way. Okay. What was that thing about wrong. being stubborn? That was like my favorite shirt. Yeah, what's the thing about being stubborn? Okay, uh, which best describes the husbands in the morning? Chirpy chipmunk or sluggish mm-hmm. sloth? Self-awareness. What do you got, Brittany? Slug. Sluggish sloth. That's me. Yep, same. Sluggish sloth. <laughs> Second Over that. here. Yep. Not a morning well, person. Okay. So Takes that me at means... least two cups of coffee to get going. Yeah, I got to get out the door before I'm going. All right, so that uh, pins win seven to six. Woo! Seven to six. Nice. I, I still maintain that Brittany was wrong. She was wearing that on a different date. But I'm the stubborn one. We yeah, Larry's never wrong, y'all. I'm not wrong. <laughs> I'm not wrong. I photo- An elephant never forgets. Wow. You done forgot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's all. That's. Uh, done forgot. That's uh, all the time we have for this episode of Midnight Theology. <laughs> thankfully. And we hope that you'll take some time to pray for me. Uh, and to focus on you. Take care of yourselves mentally, physically, emotionally, nutritionally. And to quote the end of Wesley's primitive physic, he wrote, The love of God, as it is the sovereign remedy of all miseries, by the unspeakable joy and perfect calm, serenity, and tranquility it gives the mind, it becomes the most powerful of all the means of health and long life. So the bottom line, God loves you. He gave you this life. Remember who you are and whose you are. So thanks for joining us on Midnight Theology. One more late night pondering. If you're actually up listening to this at midnight, Papa Wesley says, put down the snack. You're supposed to be in bed at nine and you have to get up at 4 a.m. Go to bed. See you next time. Mm